0: Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This is week four of the sermon series Love the Inside Job. and in the message for, and in this message we will be unpacking failure and what it means to have healthy self-care rituals in the midst of what may feel like bad times. A reminder that you can check out the entire service on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. Also, we would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that when new sermons come into your feed, as soon as they are available, you can subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. There is also a donation link in the podcast notes, and we would love it if you would help to support the mission and ministries here at Beach Grove. Lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. The scripture for this message comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 1-18. through Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly then an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came and a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went into the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah, he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall appoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and you shall anoint Eliza son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elijah shall, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would continue to grow in this sense of care for ourselves as we live more into the image that we have been created in, in your image, in the image of your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So I want to begin this message by just naming that the past couple of weeks have been very difficult for me. I don't know if you can tell. Now, I don't want you to have, I don't want this to be a pity party, So, but I wanted to name the reality of of really what's going on and to say that I think we can sometimes get stuck in these narratives where life just sucks. Amen? Sometimes we get stuck in this narrative and I think that that has been where I've been a lot lately. When people ask me how life is going, I said, well, life sucks right now. It seems like one thing after another. And as we continue to think about all of these different practices of self-care that we embody in our lives, we have to remind ourselves that self-care is difficult because in practicing it, we hope that self-care will solve all of our problems and that we'll never have problems again. Right. I mean, that's the hope, right? The hope. And, and that's even the hope in our faith, right? We will believe in God. We want that. Our belief in God means that bad things will not happen to us. And in the same way, we feel like I am caring for myself, like I am do, God. I'm doing everything possible to care for myself. And life sucks. It's difficult because the hope. We hope that it will take away all of our pain and heartache that we ever experienced. We hope that by having a self-care practice and doing it just once, that it'll take away all of our mental pain, it'll take away our emotional pain, it'll take away our physical pain. Right, because in our lives we often try and look for these quick fix schemes, right? The quick diet plans. 200 push-ups in 30 days. We seek to hopefully solve the problems as quickly as possible. Right? And sometimes I think it is that theology, that mindset that gets in our mind of of wanting that eternal salvation, of wanting it right here, right now, and forgetting that, yes, we believe in a salvation. We believe in a kingdom that is here and now, but we also believe that God is continuing to do the work here on earth. And so there is still a future that we are looking towards. And so, when we are baptized or when we profess our faith, no, we're not transported to heaven. I know it sucks because we want it to, right? We want to get to those pearly gates. We want everything to be all grand. We want to never experience hurt. We want to never experience pain. Amen? Sorry. I, I just, I, I wish. I can't tell you how many times I've wished that I could heal bones. Like not just waiting for it to heal. Just like hold my hand over it like they do in the movies. Just be like, sweet. But you see a healthy self-care mentality. Tells us that even in these difficult times, we can still move towards God's abounding love and grace in our lives. Right. when We treat self-care as a means of grace. Remember, in our Methodist tradition, we believe in these means of grace. There are these opportunities throughout our faith where it it functions as both a reminder and an experience. Right. The table is a means of grace. The communion table is a means of grace. Worship is a means of grace. Prayer is a means of grace. And in the Methodist church, we can even look at something like self-care as a means of grace, both a reminder of the grace that God offers us as well as an experience of that grace and so it's a reminder that we are ever continuing to grow in the nature of our relationship with God and in the same way self-care is about it's about these series of rituals that we practice that looks at life and it says life is difficult and yes sometimes life sucks but the hope the hope that is in good practices of self-care rituals Is that in those times, we have done the work to where we know how to dig out of those holes. And that's what we're looking at today. That's where we're jumping in here as we go into 1 Kings. As many of you can tell, I have a brace on my arm. It's beautiful, isn't it? I broke my arm, it was painful. Before that, I had sprained my ankle. I was recounting to someone, I haven't run since June 20th. I think this is the longest break I've had from running in like three or four years, maybe. Somewhere mixed in the middle of that was a little bit of a, of a COVID spell in our household. We had someone get COVID while we were on vacation. While I was on vacation, we had to cancel the second part of our vacation. Friends, like the last six weeks have just been really trying Cycles and cycles of feeling down, of feeling low. Not only is my body injured, but I feel like my mind is suffering as well. Now, I say this again, not for pity, but for relationality. Because I know what I'm going through. I'm sure many of you have experienced it as well. I'm sure many of us have had times in our lives where it, it, it may just be a, a few days. It may be a few weeks. It may be a few months. Friends, sometimes years are just the worst years on history. Anybody 2020? 21. 21. I mean, close second. Close second. But friends, self-care tells us that it is how we respond to these difficult times. The rituals that we have built into our self-care practices that help us through. And it's in looking at a scripture right here in 1 Kings that we begin to see and unpack that it is these sorts of rituals that bring us back, that help us to recognize and know that it is not the end. It may feel like the end, but it is not the end. There is room to move and grow in God's grace. Yes, life may be functionally changing, but we know in moving forward in God's love, and God's grace that we are caring for ourselves. Right, and we see here when we look at the beginning of this passage, right, many of you may be familiar with the second part of this passage, right, Elijah on the mountaintop, God comes in the still small voice, right, many of us may be familiar with that second part of the passage, but I've always found it interesting what leads Elijah to this mountaintop. What leads Elijah to this mountaintop? Because what gets Elijah to this mountaintop is possibly one of the worst experiences that someone has I say bar none, almost, in Scripture. Right? So what brings Elijah to this point where he comes on top of this mountain? So so if we back up in 1 Kings, if, if y'all remember, I think it was sometime last year, I gave you this long sermon that included the names of a bunch of kings, right? That, that ringing a bell. All right, so we don't need to do that again. You remember all the kings of Israel, right? All right, go ahead. Tell them to me. Tell them. No, 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 no. We're in that time where King uh, we're in that time where King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are leading Israel. And this is the time, remember, Israel's a northern kingdom, and so they are the ones who fall prey to the the, the religion of the Baals. And in that time, Elijah is prophesying all throughout Israel and Judah. And Elijah goes into Israel and prophesies in Israel. And while prophesied in Israel, upon seeing the worship of the Baals, Elijah and the other prophets of God go and kill the prophets of Baal. Right. Well, And everybody except for Elijah makes it out of Israel. And Elijah gets wind that because he made it out of Israel as the living prophet of, of, of God, now Elijah knows that he's being hunted. Elijah knows that for all intents and purposes, his ministry, his prophesying, everything that he has done makes him that he cannot do anymore, makes him feel like an utter failure. When we look at how Elijah feels, Elijah knows that he has failed to uphold who God calls him to be. He can no longer prophesy. He can no longer do the work that God calls him to. And so Elijah goes into the desert. Elijah goes away And he just cries out. And friends, this is a difficult message for us to hear. Because when Elijah calls out, we hear Elijah calling out, Lord, I wish I was just dead. Just wish I didn't live anymore. Elijah is so deep. Elijah is so sad, upset in such a place that not even life feels viable for him. Not only is he being hunted, he doesn't want them to kill him. He wants to die before they have a chance. Elijah has lost all hope. And so let's play this story out. What happens next? As we continue to look on in this scripture, we see Elijah lays down under this broom tree and takes a nap. And then he gets a little tap, tap, from an angel and the angels like elijah you need to eat some food here's a cake wouldn't that be nice to wake up from a nap and like a cake like magically appear on your counter and then elijah goes back to sleep again takes another nap and then the angel comes back and visits him again and said here here's another cake eat it because you're going to need it for the journey that you're about to go on Suddenly, we see the tide of Elijah's mindset begin to change, at least as I read this passage. And we see Elijah travel for 40 days and 40 nights. He's found a reason to live. He's found a reason to continue to go. Why? Because he has reconnected himself with this understanding of both faith and life that helps to drive him forward. Then Elijah encounters God on the mountaintop. And we see in this interaction, again, Elijah projecting to God this sense of hopelessness and the sense of lostness. But when we look at how the story plays out, we see it in a different light. It's not in the same light that we saw before. Rather, it's an opportunity for, for Elijah to encounter God. It's an opportunity for Elijah to call out to God to figure out what he did wrong, right? Listen to those words in verse 14. When God asks him for the first time, what are you doing here? Uh, Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites. They've they've forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they want to take my life away. That's a very different. That's a very different thing that Elijah said in that one than he did earlier on in in verse 4. Oh, gosh, I lost it. Oh, yeah, in verse 4, he says, It is is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. Right? That's a very different tone in those two passages. Elijah comes to grip with the fact that, Lord, they're hunting me. Right? Elijah in this one doesn't seem like he wants to die anymore. He seems like he's at least coming to grips to try and understand what's going on. And in that, God tells him, All right, come up to the mountain. And in that, we see this experience that God ha- that Elijah has with God. God knows that when Elijah's in that desert, he needs that moment. He needs that moment to reconnect him to what Elijah knows. Right? If God goes to Elijah under that broom tree, who knows what happens? And so we see this angel encounter Elijah. And so in our own self-care rituals, this often, this means that we need to be able to, in our most difficult, toughest moments of failure in life, we need to find that opportunity to pause, to reflect. And, and like Flynn told us, we need to learn. Right? There's almost an extension of our discussion on mental health last week, Right? It's where I talked about reconnecting with that breath. but it's reconnecting with the basics of existence. Uh I like to call this the nap and snack solution. A nap and a snack. Close your eyes for 20 minutes. Eat a whole cake. (laughs) Maybe a piece, all right? I mean, I know, like, calories, all that stuff, you know, but nap and a snack. Because in that moment... Elijah can't see beyond the situation that he's in. Uh-huh. He's unable to think, he's unable to process and, and we get like that too. I mean we are rena- reactionary people. And so when something happens we, we think immediately something uh, whether it's something bad or, or, or even sometimes something good, we, we react to that we react to those things. And it's when Elijah's given the opportunity to slow down. Uh that we begin to see the ways in which Elijah is called to move forward. Elijah is offered an opportunity to learn. And Elijah is given the opportunity to pass the mantle onto someone else who can continue Elijah's ministry. Amid failure, there's an opportunity to both learn and move forward. We can't let it stop us. And once we recognize that, we can put into practice some healthy self-care rituals that help us in those times of need. For Elijah, this means pausing to pray, encountering God, developing in consultation, seeing God's vision, and seeing how to move forward. And in much the same way, we are called to move beyond our own perceived failures as well. It does not mean to end Failure is an opportunity to learn and try again. It's not that we go out seeking to fail. I don't come up here seeking to deliver the worst deliver the worst sermon possible, but you know it happens occasionally. I don't seek to go out on a bike ride and break my arm, but you know, apparently things like that happen. But it's finding those rituals that help us to be able to listen and reflect. Rituals like like prayer, like meditation, like being with community, like coming to worship, that give us the opportunity to stop and reflect. And so, as I said, when we when we think about how we're taking care of ourselves, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, when we're looking at this context of self-care. Right? And last week we talked about that nature of mental health. And and we really We really sought to understand mental health so that we could not only see it in our own lives, but so that we could be members in community together who know that mental health exists. And as we move forward from that, we look and we see that it's not the times of the deepest and darkest days. But it's the times when we're feeling good that we need to build these rituals Because it's in those deep and dark days. Now, now that's where where the mental fortitude gets tested. That's where the physical fortitude gets tested. But friends, we cannot wait for bad things to happen. To suddenly think that we need to do something good for our lives. Because oftentimes it might be too late. Now, yes, sometimes it's the kick in the pants we need. And so the question kind of falls to us like, how do we deal with failure? How do we deal with these bad moments in life? And again, like, nobody's gonna judge you for a nap and a snack. But even more importantly, is we have to learn from it. We have to learn from it. If we cannot learn from failure, or if when we fail, we only focus in a negative way that is unhealthy, we haven't put ourselves in a mindset that helps us to reflect, then how are we ever gonna continue to grow? How are we ever gonna know what it means to truly care for ourselves? Yes, we need to unpack what we did wrong. I hit a pothole, and so I know to not hit that pothole again, right, X, Y. Seems easy enough. I'll let you know in about six weeks when I'm allowed to get back on a bike finally. But when we pause and we reflect, it allows us to look with a clearer mind. And especially in a case like Elijah, can allow him to reflect in a clearer mind that maybe will lead to something that is more in line with God's kingdom. rather than trying to respond in a way that will cause harm to himself, harm to others, and further divide and spark evil in the world. As we continue to move ourselves forward in this understanding of self-care, we attach these biblical, these spiritual understandings because it's important to see that our faith is built upon the manner in which caring for ourselves helps us to be in a better place to care for others. Knowing our own manner of self-care and living into it more fully helps us to be reminded of the self-worth that we have in God's love. And it helps us to move and progress forward in our faith because that's what faith is about. And then I just love this last part You know, Elijah does not hear God in the fire, in the wind, in the earthquake. No. Elijah hears God in the silence. Because when it comes to reflecting, when it comes to processing, as someone whose brain moves at a thousand miles an hour on a a normal day, Sometimes we need to push all of that aside to really begin to focus. Right? We need to allow ourselves. Allow the wind, the earthquake, the fire, all of that to just dissipate so that we can find the sheer silence of God. The one who will help us to learn and grow from all that happens in our lives. And like I said, this, I mean it's not an overnight thing. We're not just going to suddenly start you know, you're not going to meditate this afternoon and have it all figured out. In fact, you know, I've been trying to do it for a while. I mean, it still doesn't work sometimes. But it's in creating those rituals. It's in creating those opportunities to practice care that begins to give us the space and the opportunity to unpack and to know what true self-care can look like in our lives. So that we can be in this headspace that gives us room to live into who God has created us to be. It's when Elijah stops and pauses that he can hear God's voice and he can hear where God is calling him to next. And in the wind, in the fire, in the earthquake, Elijah wasn't going to hear what God was calling him to do. But in the silence, when Elijah focuses, when he's got a full belly and a clear head, He's able to bring that understanding into it. And so too can we. Be better at caring for ourselves. As we continue to move ourselves forward in God's grace. Amen. Mm -hmm. And now let us have a time of prayer. Coming together. Connecting our hearts, spirits, and minds. As we pray not only for ourselves. But for our community. And for all of creation. But as-